Thank you for joining us this evening on the podcast. Coming to you live from the Gutterman Estates, located on the third fairway of the Louisville Country Club, with a stunning view of the lake. Today, our host, Michael Gutterman, will have a very cerebral discussion with you about photography, his philosophies on life, his thoughts on poverty, and those who do not shoot Leicas and Leica gloss. <laughs> oh, while he sips a lovely Chardonnay. Ah, I'm just goofing with ya. It's Mike Gutterman. He's in the Gutter Man Cave. He's drinking cheap ass beer. He's shooting APS film. And this is the Negative Positives Podcast. 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 Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 215. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave for this midweek episode here in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed the new intro to this uh, little solo show from Mr. Mike Williams. <laughs> kind of making fun of uh, my Leica, my new newly acquired uh, Leica, and uh, I very much appreciate getting the getting the opens from uh, Mike Williams. It's always uh, always uh, always entertaining. <laughs> so uh, good stuff. Thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, and uh, okay. So what has been going on? This is a midweek episode. I got a couple of things I kind of want to talk about. I got some call-ins and some emails and that kind of stuff. Kind of a usual sort of house cleaning sort of uh, midweek episode, I guess. But uh, the first thing I want to talk about is when we had Johnny uh, Sisson on. Uh, it was like two Sundays ago. Um, I had mentioned that I had trouble with uh, one of my plastic uh, developing reels, uh, developing tank reels. I use the AP. I think it's the pro or premium or whatever, uh, uh, developing reels that freestyle sells and, uh, freestyle.org, I think is the website out in California. Uh, but they have the, the reels that have the big, huge finder tabs, uh, where you load the film in at. And they just, for uh, at least the last, I don't know, probably three years I've been using those reels and they've just always been so easy to use and just loaded the film up immediately. And uh, But in the last month, on two different occasions, I've had some trouble with the film jamming. And I do remember about several months ago, I had sort of a similar situation, uh, but then I cleaned it real good and uh, it stopped giving me problems. But now it's kind of reared its, it had, it had reared its ugly head again where I get the film about halfway, three quarters of the way, on the uh, on the film reel, uh, on the developing reel, and it would just jam, and it wouldn't go anywhere. And uh, so uh, I decided uh, I went ahead and ordered two new reels from Freestyle, and uh, uh, to kind of replace these ones. I thought, well, maybe they're at, just at the end of their life or whatever. I've used them for several years. I've ran hundreds of rolls of film through them. Maybe I should figure I got my money's worth. I think they're like twelve dollars a reel or something like that, and just uh, you know get some new ones. Maybe it's just time. But I thought, you know, before I, I, I throw this old one out, um, let's try one last, like, last-ditch effort. And uh, so what I did is I took uh, one of my old developing tanks 
and uh, just put the real, the, the offending real uh, in the tank and poured some uh, 91% isopropyl uh, uh, rubbing alcohol. You know, it should get your drugstore or whatever. And maybe you could use the cheaper 50% or whatever rubbing alcohol, but I've I got some 91% on hand. So, uh, and then I just poured that alcohol, uh, rubbing alcohol, like just any, like you find at a, you know, any, uh, any, uh, any pharmacy or drugstore or whatever. And uh, poured it up to a little bit above the level of the, the reel. Let it soak for two, three hours. Every, you know, half hour or so, I would do some agitations and <laughs> and just kind of let that reel soak and that, and that rubbing alcohol for uh, a couple hours. And uh, after that, I uh, rinsed it out really well with some hot water. And uh, now that reel is, uh, is loading film uh, as smooth as butter again. So... Uh, the only thing I can think of is something was something something sticky or something was uh, on that reel that it, maybe just the hot water and, and the old toothbrush I usually scrub these things with uh, wasn't getting or something. But for whatever reason, this uh, this soaking it in this rubbing alcohol uh, uh, really did uh, make the revive this reel. Uh, so uh, the nice thing is I've got two new reels now, so I've got a total of four reels, so I can kind of uh, you know. Uh, when I'm doing multiple rows at one time, I can let a couple of reels be drying while I'm using another, uh, the other two reels. So that, that's kind of handy because these plastic reels, if they're not completely dry, uh, you're going to have trouble loading film on them things. They really have to be dry. So uh, if you don't have extra reels and you need to, uh, the, and you're kind of in a hot and heavy, fast and furious uh, developing session, uh, make sure you, uh, you know, really... Uh, take a towel or paper towels and really pat those things dry and then maybe take a hair dryer to them. I've done that before. I also have this big turbo fan in the in the gutter man cave and sometimes I'll just strap the uh, strap the reels on the front of this fan and let them blow blow the water off of them and dry them or whatever but uh, but yeah those those plastic reels have to be completely dry or you're gonna have trouble loading those things but uh, uh, but now I got a couple extras especially since I revived this one I thought was dead. So it uh, should help me a little bit when I'm developing multiple rows in, in one evening or whatever. But uh, I have been kind of uh, uh, investigating um, getting going to uh, metal reels, like the stainless steel reels. And I've been looking into that quite a bit. Uh, the big recommendation on that is the Hughes uh, stainless steel reels are made in, uh, uh, made in England. And uh, so I've been thinking about picking some of those up. I actually had a listener hit me up and uh, mentioned that he might have a stockpile of them that he'd be willing to send me. So I'm kind of um, maybe uh, getting getting a good try to, to maybe maybe eventually move to stainless uh, reels on this situation and uh, maybe never have this trouble again. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but for now, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I, at least I've, I've got a little, I can actually get some stuff developed now because I've got some reels that are functioning again, so, uh, which makes me super excited. Uh, there is some theories out there about why this happens. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of people on these forums and stuff, these uh, photo forums, a lot of people say that it's, um, it's basically the photo flow causing the trouble. Uh, that for some reason, if you don't get all that photo flow off there, uh, it, it, it will dry into a really sticky mess. And that's what's causing your reels to jam. I'm not sure. But I do know that what I'm going to do going forward is when I'm developing... Uh, typically, what I would do is um, on my last step after the hypo clear and the rinse, uh, you know, the fixer, then the hypo clear and the rinsing, uh, I would just leave the tank 
uh, the developing reel in the water of the tank and just add a little photo flow to it and kind of swirl that around a little bit and then and do it that way and then pull the pull the uh, film off the off the developing reel and hang it up to dry. I think what I'm going to do now, just in case it is the photo flow giving me this trouble, uh, after the hypoclear and the and the uh, uh, the rinsing stage, I'm going to go ahead and take that film off the developing reel and then just put the film back in the water of the tank and then add the photo flow just just in case just to see if that's if it's a photo flow giving me trouble but if it is uh, that would eliminate that problem because my reels would never touch photo flow but uh uh so yeah just something i plan on doing uh going forward and i guess with uh, that's with black and white obviously with c41 uh, you could do the same thing. I always add a little photo flow to my stabilizer. And of course, that's a hot topic, a hot debate. Uh, but I, uh, I just, uh, I, it's something I do. And people debate whether it's good for the stabilizer or not. But apparently, stabilizer already has some photo flow in it. But, uh, but I add a little bit more because uh, my color uh, C41 uh, developing uh, with my water in my town, it comes out so spotted if I don't put a little photo flow in there that it's just not worth it. It's not worth uh, fight, fighting that fight. So, uh, but I do add a little photo flow to my stabilizer in the C41 developing kits. Uh, so yeah, but in that situation, when I'm developing color, it would be sort of the same after the Blix uh, stage and the, the rinse or whatever. Uh, before you put the stabilizer in, you could easily just take the film off the reel, get the reel, uh, get the reel out of there, and then uh, <laughs> and then basically, uh, and then put your stabilizer in and just let the film kind of float in the stabilizer, which uh, uh, should be perfectly fine to do that. And uh, I'm just gonna just security or, or just for uh, precautions gonna i'm gonna avoid photo flow on my reels just in case it's what's causing it and of course you know you get on the internet there's tons of debate about whether that's what's actually causing it or not but who knows who knows but uh on the on the subject of uh stainless reels i did get a uh, an email about it when i talked about uh maybe moving to stainless uh on the uh, show with uh, johnny sisson from central camera and uh, obviously host of the classic lenses podcast uh, but this uh, email comes in from uh let me see let me make sure i pronounce his name right he told me how to pronounce it uh it's mike uh kukavica i think i got that right i think i nailed it mike kukavica I hope I got that right, Mike. <laughs> and uh, But he sends an email. He says, uh, Hi, gents. I'm working my way through episode 212, uh, but wanted to write in to add my voice to those who say stainless steel reels rock. Besides all of the reasons mentioned on the podcast, one other advantage is the stainless steel reels and tanks use less liquid. The following are my personal measurements. One uh, 135 reel in a single 135 tank, 275 milliliters. One 120 reel in a single 120 tank, 425 milliliters. Two 135 reels in a single 120 tank, 450 milliliters. These volumes apply to Samagon uh, tanks and Hughes reels. He says, uh, when I started developing my own film two years ago, I did research on tanks. And if memory serves, these are the lowest liquid volumes available. So that saves money and water. I'm no insane environmentalist zealot, but I do try to conserve water throughout the development process. And this is an easy way to do it. Plus, using less chemistry each time helps save money. On top of all that, I just love how great the reels feel, and in fact, that they never absorb anything. Every once in a while, I'll put them into the dishwasher with everything else, and they come out spotless. One last note, Hughes reels are the best, and Freestyle has the best price on them by a long shot. Sincerely, Mike uh, Kukovica, and uh, he has a website 
That is kukavica.com. It's it's K-U-K-A-V-I-C-A. K-U-K-A-V-I-C-A.com. And uh, yeah, so the everyone seems to recommend the Hughes uh, reels, and uh, uh, he's telling that this as a freestyle has the best uh, um, uh, the best price on them. Uh, Hughes is spelled H-E-W-E-S, by the way. If you're looking for those, you want to kind of give those a shot. Uh, I've also heard that like um, there was a brand for a lot of years, and a lot of people use, and it's a vintage brand. I think it was made in Massachusetts. Uh, it was uh, uh, what was it? It was like Nikkor, not 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 to not to be confused with like Nikon. It, it didn't have two Ks. It was like maybe it's Nikkor, but it was like N I K O R. And uh, apparently, a lot of people like those too. Those were kind of like vintage, uh, made in Massachusetts uh, stainless steel reels that are supposedly pretty good too. Uh, I, I was kind of uh, doing some research on those as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's N I K O R, not N I K K O R, like some of the Nikon uh, labeling or whatever. So this has nothing to do with Nikon, uh, but but uh, very confusing, I guess, because it's Nikkor or in, it's just one K instead of two Ks. So, but apparently those are pretty good too, from what I what I've been reading a little bit about it. Um, I do have a couple of cheap stainless reels here in the gutter man cave, and I did try to like you know kind of close my eyes and try to load one and uh not as bad as i thought like it, it wasn't uh i used to think those things were a real pain in the ass and i've got some real cheap like chinese made uh stainless steel reels and i, I didn't really have much trouble getting uh, the film on there so that's definitely something i may be looking to move on to in the in the future and the fact that you save chemicals and stuff uh and the ease ease of cleaning that's uh that's a good positive on that so uh, just something to think about but uh, then again, if you're using the plastic reels and you had the trouble I have, uh, try the alcohol soap, man. It really did, really did kind of, uh, um, kind of, uh, kind of really help out a whole lot. So, um, it might, uh, might bail you out, might save one of your plastic reels. So, okay. I think that's all I want to do on this segment. So I'm going to look at what else I need to get out here. I know I've got some, some call-ins and, uh, some kind of funny call-ins and I don't want to do a call-in camera review, but, uh, let's take a break and, uh, let me look, figure this figure out what the hell I'm doing in this episode <laughs> and, uh, and we will be right back folks folks we're back from the break and uh i got a uh, a little bit of a strange call in here um i feel like uh somebody was trying to uh, uh send a hitman uh out to get me uh because <laughs> kind of surrounding the uh negative positives uh tag team double exposure challenge our, our winners uh were uh, uh for the first round of that was dylan o'connor and alex purcell and I got this strange message that uh, was kind of uh, maybe a, a threatening message, uh, maybe from some a hit, a hit man, I think. I honestly think I think Dylan O'Connor kind of had something to do with this. I think he's hired somebody. But but uh, it turns out I'm safe because uh, 
Uh, they uh, Dylan uh, O'Connor and Alex Purcell did finally <laughs> receive their prizes uh, uh, from the uh, the negative the first round of the negative pauses uh, tag team double exposure challenge for being the winners of that challenge and congratulations to them and big huge thanks to uh, Mike Padua from uh, shootfilmco.com. Uh, he uh, volunteered to, uh, uh, was graciously, uh, was uh, uh, g- gave prize packages to the winners of that challenge. And uh, Mike Padua is one of the, one of the coolest, like uh, uh, most giving people of the film uh, uh, community. And we can't thank Mike enough. So uh, thank you, Mike Padua, shootfilmco.com. And obviously check out that site. There's so much cool stuff and patches and T-shirts and, uh, and all kinds of good stuff. All kinds of good pins. Oh, I, I, I really need... There's so much stuff I want to order from that site. I'm just waiting for some extra money to do it. because. And obviously, uh, and Mike actually did extend a discount code uh, to Negative Positives listeners. So if you want to get anything from Mike Padua at Shoot Film Co., uh, I think if you put negative positives in the discount code, you'll get like a discount on uh, ordering things from shootfilmco.com. So uh, thank you, Mike, so much for being uh, just so cool to the entire film community and and for giving uh, the winners of this uh, negative positives double exposure challenge uh, uh, a gift a gift package. And I believe they've actually already received those. But let, let, let's let's get to this this little call in. I mean, it came from. Uh, it came from Dylan O'Connor, but he's trying to claim that uh, he didn't know what this first part of this message is about. I think he was trying to hire a hitman to get his prize. I'm not sure, but then he figured out that uh, that maybe a uh, hitman was not needed. So uh, I don't know. Let's take a listen here. This is a uh, this is strange. You guys tell me what's going on here. <laughs> Mike Butterman, this is an anonymous call about the negative positives film photography podcast double exposure challenge winners. You have three days to contact Mike Pat. Oh. Oh, what's that? Oh, here I did it? Oh, okay. Uh, ignore this call. Uh, bye. Hey, Mike, uh, I don't know who that last guy was, um, but Alex Purcell and I look forward to receiving our prizes, and hopefully the next Double Exposure Challenge goes by a little smoother, and I look forward to participating in that one as well. <laughs> well, thank you, Dylan O'Connor, for that uh, for that call in. Uh, maybe not so much for hiring a, a hitman to try to come after me, man. People people win something; they they, they want their prizes, and and I, I get it. It's exci- that's that's an acceptable <laughs> acceptable reaction. Hey, you won something; you you, you need your prize. And uh, we finally and 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 true negative positive style. Uh, it, it took us a while, but they finally got their prizes from, from Mike Padua at Shoot Film Co. And, uh, and congratulations, uh, uh, Dylan O'Connor and Alex Purcell for uh, having a, a definitely uh, worthy photo of winning that competition. Uh, speaking of that competition, we are in talks about um, starting the second round, the second annual uh, negative positives uh uh, double exposure tag team challenge. Uh, so stay tuned to that. Uh, I think if this works out, our guests this weekend will be able to shed some light on that. We're going to do some, a, a couple little changes to it. And uh, I think it's going to be a run a little more efficiently, which wouldn't be hard to do because the last one, the first one did not run efficiently whatsoever. So even a 
10% increase in efficiency would be a huge improvement over what we did on the first challenge. But we have a, a second one in, in the works and uh, stay tuned. Uh, uh, we will have some uh, some announcements about the second annual uh double uh, negative positives tag team double exposure challenge and we're going to change the things i think this one's going to run smoother so uh maybe i won't have like hitmen uh like called uh into action to <laughs> to get the winners of prizes so uh uh but uh all right so uh the next thing i've got like i got like three call-ins from uh uh mr uh, juan rubin and juan is just the best man like he uh uh, he had a uh, a podcast he was doing for a while on Anchor called A1 Rediscovering Film. He ended up having to stop doing it because of some uh, some some things going on in his life or whatever. But then he recently, I guess it was like around January 22nd, he put up kind of a, all of a sudden out of the blue, popped up another episode, uh, about a half hour episode. And so um, hopefully he's... Uh, in a lot better state and uh maybe we can get back to hearing some more new episodes from his uh, podcast a1 rediscovering film that was uh that he uh, uh put out through anchor and uh and he also was very gracious and he uh, i had a uh, if you if you guys remember i had a yashika electro 35 that i was fighting uh, trying to get running and uh he had kind of a uh, one that was not necessarily running all that well and he sent it to me and I was able to take parts from his and put it on mine and, and get one working Electro, uh, Yashika Electro 35 out of the deal. And and so uh, definitely thank you so much, Juan, for, for sending me that. Uh, so out of out of two non-functioning cameras, we managed to get one working. So that's, that's what we got to do, right? Keep these uh, uh, film cameras working. Uh, it's better to have one working uh, Electro 35 than two non-working Electro 35. So... Uh, uh, so yeah, I need to need to get out and, sh- and shoot that thing pretty soon. It's a it's on my list of mini cameras. I need to to try to go out and shoot pretty soon. So the weather's getting warmer. So uh, I'm getting motivated. So hopefully I'll get to a lot of this stuff uh, pretty soon. But uh, Juan is actually he lives in like San Diego now, uh, which I can't think of San Diego without thinking like Anchorman, like uh, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Keep it classy, San Diego. <laughs> I just love the Anchorman films, which, by the way, like there's a Ron Burgundy podcast now. Have you heard? Have you guys listened to this? Uh, that, uh, uh, yeah, Will Ferrell, I guess, is uh, doing a Ron Burgundy podcast now, and there's like four or five episodes out, and I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed them because I'm a big fan of the Anchorman films. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so Juan is in San Diego, so I can't I can't say San Diego without thinking of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> But, but Juan is originally from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, you know, of course, Johnny Sisson. Uh, uh, like uh, the weekend before, la- weekend before this last weekend was our guest, and we had a lot of talk about Chicago. And Juan uh, had to kind of like uh, chime in a little bit about uh, Chicago because that's where he's from, and uh, so he sent me some some really good uh, uh, call-ins uh, about those episodes. So let's listen to what. Uh, what Juan has to say uh, on the, I think he sent like three separate Collins. I'll probably just put them all in order here and let you guys uh, hear what he has to say about the Johnny Sisson and uh, episode and uh, and also uh, just Chicago in general. So uh, we'll get to uh, get to Juan and and Juan. It sounds like uh, just from the just from the Collins, it sounds like you're doing much better. And I hope everything is going very well for you, man. And uh, um, if you get to a point to getting that podcast back up and 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 going again, absolutely let us know, and we will 
definitely promote it here on the show because that's what we're all about, like helping uh, helping other podcasts get out there and, and, and spreading the word, so spreading the love. So, But uh, very cool to hear from you, Juan. So let's listen to Juan's, uh, Juan Rubin uh, with three call-ins about uh, the Johnny Sisson and Chicago episode. So here we go. Hey, Negative Positives, it's Juan Rubin. I just listened to episode 212 with your guest, Johnny Sisson. Can't wait for the next one, this part two, because uh, part one brought back some great memories. As a person who was born and raised and spent most of my life in Chicago up until the last 10 years since I you know, moved out here to San Diego, uh, it was fun reliving those memories. Johnny brought up something that was very interesting because he talked about the smells in Central Camera. That was true back in the 80s. I remember visiting there with a co-worker who was a hobbyist photographer. Uh, he was picking up some film, I think, and the place was bustling. You could barely get in. You could barely walk through the store. There were so many people you know, being served at the counters. A lot of helpful salespeople. A really fun place, and I'm glad it's still thriving and doing well. It does my heart good to hear. So can't wait to the next episode, part two. Looking forward to it. Great show as always. Hey, Negative Positives, it's Juan Rubin. And I got to tell you, part two with Johnny Sisson was worth the wait. He's funny as heck. However, I got some issues. Let me run them off real quick because I only got a minute. Ah, deep dish pizza is pizza. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you're a native Chicago, and I mean really born there, slapped by the doctor on the butt of the hospital there, you know Deep dish pizza is really pizza. And I got three examples that will make me a loser in his eyes, but Nancy's, Giordano's, and the original Pizzeria Uno. Oh, and another one, Connie's. Now, as far as the quintessential Chicago movie, yes, Blues Brothers, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, great. However, I got to quibble with Blues Brothers because they put McCormick Place... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the Chicago border somehow. Not sure how that worked. Juan Rubin with one more thing. An overlooked movie that might be just as quintessentially Chicago as Blues Brothers and Ferris Bueller. It's a movie called Continental Divide with John Belushi and Blair Brown where Belushi plays a uh, hard-boiled Chicago newspaper columnist, which was a big deal back in the day, kind of based on the late columnist Mike Royko. Look him up if you don't know about him. Great movie, overlooked movie, and just as quintessential as those other two that uh, get mentioned all the time about Chicago. Love the show. Looking forward to more. Take care. See ya. <laughs> well, thank you, Juan Rubin, for the uh, the call-ins about the, the episode with Johnny Sisson uh, from Chicago, Illinois. Obviously, uh, the uh, works at Central Camera there, and uh, member or host of the um, one of the co-hosts of the Classic Lenses podcast. Uh, yeah, Johnny. Uh, I don't know. It seems like Juan might be throwing the the gauntlet down. Like, do you have a rebuttal on this or uh, some sort of uh, argument against what Juan is uh, throwing out here? Uh, if so, maybe Johnny. Maybe it's time to send a little call into the Negative Positives podcast and uh, uh, let's get this debate going a little further. Uh, I'm not a Chicagoan. Is that what they call you guys, Chicagoans? And uh, but uh, so I can't get involved. But I'd be happy to mediate a little. Uh, 
a little debate between you two about the best pizza and the best movies of uh, based in Chicago. So, uh, but it's funny, Juan. You mentioned Continental Divide. Uh, I remember that movie like when my when my dad finally opened up his wallet and got us cable television in the 1980s when I was growing up as a as a kid in, in, in my in my parents household uh, when we first got cable TV I remember Continental Divide with uh, John Belushi I remember that movie kind of being played a whole lot uh, and we had like maybe one maybe two movie channels not quite sure if my dad paid for them or not because back then you had these cable boxes that people could hack pretty easy and get like <laughs> Get like the movie channels for free. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying my dad did that, but I'm just saying, uh, yeah, maybe we might have done that. I don't know, but I feel like I probably saw Continental Divide like uh, a bunch of times because uh, uh, it seemed to be uh, played quite a bit during that span when we first got cable television. So, uh, wow, that that just that reference brought me back to brought me back to my childhood a, a tad bit. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was if I remember correctly, it was a good film, but. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen it. I was I was in probably elementary or middle school last time I saw that film. But uh, but wow, it took me back to the way back machine on that one, Juan. So uh, and uh, Johnny, yeah, the gauntlet's been thrown down, thrown down on you. So uh, I don't know, maybe you need to respond. But uh, <laughs> all right, so. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a break here. I need to find a call-in camera view to in insert into the show, so uh, uh, I'm going to do that. There's so many other things I wanted to get to on the show, but uh, we try to keep the midweek episodes a little shorter, and this is already going a little longer than I wanted it to, but uh, so I'm going to have to cross some things off my list of things I wanted to talk about, uh, but I do want to get in a call-in camera view, so let's, uh, let me find one of those. Uh, I'll take a break, and uh, we'll come back with that. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. folks we're back from the break and uh I'd like to put in a little uh, call-in camera view we love to do these on the solo shows uh uh to put in a little call-in camera view from the listeners uh i did uh, i mentioned i think on the sunday podcast with no piper uh someone had sent me a message like hey uh which cameras have already been reviewed i don't want to review one that's uh, already been reviewed and my thought on that is don't worry about it like if the camera's already been reviewed and you want to review it again, uh, it's a different perspective on the camera. So uh, don't worry about if a camera's already been uh, had a review on the show. We'll still use it because it's a different different perspective. Uh, if you want to do a call and camera review, I feel like uh, you guys know this stuff. I feel like I, I have to say this a lot. But just in case you don't know, uh, you can do a one-minute review on the Anchor app. Uh, just uh, get the free Anchor app and you can send a one-minute review through Anchor. Uh, to the Negative Positives podcast that way. Uh, but they, probably the easiest way is just get your voice recorder uh, app on your phone, talk into your phone, and record however long a review you want to you wanna do, and email us the file. 
uh, to negpositives at gmail.com and we can get your uh, your call in camera reviews onto the show. Uh, since the last time that I mentioned that we were kind of running low on call in camera reviews, we've gotten about three more in, uh, three or four more in from listeners. Uh, it makes me very excited. Um, so, yeah, uh, we, we were kind of running a little low on them. Now we got a little bit of a stock of them, but by all means, uh, if there's a camera you want to talk about, absolutely send those in and it'll eventually it might take a couple months but uh we'll eventually it'll be on the show so uh and i also don't feel like you need to just do call and camera reviews uh you can do uh you can talk about anything anything film photography related that you'd like to get your voice on this show by all means uh do a voice recording send us the file to that uh email address negpositives at gmail.com and we'll put it on like we are trying to get your all's voices on this show as much as possible we want as much uh listener interaction you can talk about a film you can talk about some sort of developing process or or anything anything you want to talk about film photography related uh send us a call in and it will definitely make it on the show it might take a you know a week or two or a month or so but it everything gets used i don't reject anything unless like you well maybe if you said to call in just cussing me out the entire time i'd actually i'd probably probably, I'd probably put that in there too but uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah so like uh, absolutely uh send us uh anything you want to talk about uh we call it calling camera reviews uh but uh anything that you you want to get off your chest definitely send us an audio file and we'll insert it in the show because uh, uh, we want to make this as much uh, the listener show as it is uh, just me and Andre trying to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about uh, twice a week here on this on this podcast. So uh, it actually makes it makes my job easier. Just saying. So help me out. You know, just send me whatever. Talk about whatever, whatever you want to talk about in film photography. But um, okay, so uh, this Colin camera view, we're going to do one from uh, Dave Mahali. And uh, he's going to talk about the Olympus 35EC. Uh, man, it seems like we've had a lot of Olympus reviews and uh, and very few Pentax reviews. Like I know I talk about Pentax a lot on this uh, on this podcast, but hey, uh, uh, hey, hey, Pentaxians out there, let's get some let's get some Pentax in here. Like these these Olympus guys are taking over the Colin camera reviews. So just saying, just throwing that out there, <laughs> but. <laughs> Pentaxians unite, right? So, uh, but no, uh, Dave Mahali, the Olympus 35 EC. Let's hear what he has to say about that. So, uh, let's check that out. Hey, it's Dave Mahali here again to talk about the Olympus 35 EC camera introduced in 1969. The Olympus 35 EC is a compact camera, although it's not particularly lightweight. It's got a solid, very sturdy feel to it. It has a good feel in the hand. It doesn't feel cheap or plasticky like some other compacts do got a nice lens too. It's got a fixed 42 millimeter lens with five elements and four groups with a maximum aperture of f2.8. So it's pretty fast for a little compact camera. The shutter ranges from 1 800th of a second to four seconds. It's got a shutter lock so you don't accidentally take shots when you don't mean to. It's got a CDS cell meter. The metering is fully automatic so you can't really do exposure compensation unless you manipulate the ASA or ISO rating. The ISO range is actually pretty good too. It goes all the way from 25 to 800. It does accept threaded filters in a 43.5 millimeter diameter. The lens barrel has guide number indications for flash and distance markings. And one thing I really like about this camera is that the distance markings are measured in feet instead of meters. Now, I intuitively think in feet more than meters, so this is a little bit easier for me to set the focus. This is not an SLR or rangefinder. This is a zone focus camera, so you have to guesstimate your best approximation of the distance to your subject 
to set the focus. My eyesight's not quite as good as it used to be, and the older I get, the less I like to fiddle with rangefinder patches, so I really don't mind the zone focusing. Olympus did also make the 35 ECR, which is basically the rangefinder version of this camera with the same lens. One other thing to mention about the distance ring is that it also has four hard stops that correspond to infinity, three meters, one and a half meters, and one meter. So if you think in meters, the hard stops are there for you too. It's got a tiny lever on the bottom to open up the back. Film is loaded on the right side and advances to the left, so it's kind of backwards from what we usually see. And you advance the film with a manual thumb wheel winder. There's a hot shoe on top and a standard tripod thread on the bottom. Now, the Olympus 35EC originally took two PX640 Mercury batteries. Fun fact about Mercury, it can kill you. So Mercury batteries are generally frowned upon today. So if you can't really find the original PX640s, what do you do about batteries? Well, here's what I do. There's two sides to the battery chamber, so on one side I put in two common LR44 batteries, and in the other side I wide up a ball of tinfoil. Now, the voltage is a little bit different than the original Mercury batteries, but it's never been a problem for me. Especially if you're shooting negative film, there should be enough latitude that you don't need to get the battery sweats. Now, if you like range finders with fast lenses, you may want to check out the Olympus 35RD or maybe the 35SP. But if you like zone focus indicated in feet and just want to shoot 800-speed film in a vintage compact camera, the 35EC is a solid choice. If you want to see some sample photos taken with the 35EC, there's a companion video review on my YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and believe it or not, even Flickr as The Old Camera Guy. That's all one word, The Old Camera Guy. Thanks again for listening. Well, thank you, uh, Dave Mahali, for the call-in camera review for the Olympus 35EC. And uh, Dave uh, does, a uh, obviously, a, a YouTube channel, the, the Old Camera Guy. And uh, I'm kind of super excited because he has this series uh, that he sort of started where he's doing, like, the plastic craptastic, uh, like, film cameras, so, like, kind of going through them and uh, putting them head-to-head. He apparently has accumulated quite a, quite a bit of them. And uh, the, the, the ones I'm talking about is, like, I don't know what your thrift stores or uh, we call them thrift stores in, in the USA or maybe if you're outside the USA, maybe you call them a, a charity shops or whatever. But when I go to my local thrift stores, uh, most of the time, the only cameras I find are these like, you know, these plastic uh, 35 millimeter um, one shutter speed, basically like one one aperture, like just plastic pieces of junk. And I typically still buy them. I don't know why. Like, I feel like I have to rescue every camera I find in the thrift store. But uh, I always buy them because I'm thinking, well, maybe it'll have like a Hoga look or maybe it'll do something cool. Or if it doesn't do something cool, maybe I can I can mod it and make it do something weird. But uh, but Dave uh, apparently has uh, accumulated quite a few of these things and kind of has a series going on where he's going to kind of uh, pit some of these uh, 35 millimeter plastic craptastic <laughs> cameras head to head, and uh, so I'm I'm definitely watching his feed on YouTube to kind of uh, see see where that goes. It it's, uh, makes me very excited. But uh, uh, but thank you, Dave, so much for the uh, the calling camera view, and definitely follow him on on YouTube at the old camera guy. And uh, uh, always uh, always good to get uh, reviews from you, Dave. I really appreciate it. And uh, all right, so I'm gonna take one more break and figure out how to wrap this show up. So uh, we will be right back, folks.
All right, folks, we're back for the final segment, and there's tons of stuff I wanted to get to. I'll just save it for future solo shows. I'm always needing content anyway, I guess. But I will say this, and this has nothing really to do with film photography, I guess, but I took my son's to see uh, the Aquaman uh, movie uh, this evening. And I'm a huge uh, comic book fan from back in the day. I was mostly a Marvel comic book guy, uh, but this is obviously a DC comic uh, uh, movie uh, for Aquaman. And uh, I got to say, I've seen a lot of superhero movies, and I don't know if I'm alone in this because I haven't really looked at reviews, but Aquaman might have been one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) It was absolutely atrocious that movie was horrible in my opinion the acting was pretty bad and it just got so like cheesy at parts and over the top and like i mean when you have an octopus playing drums uh i feel like uh maybe somebody uh needs to uh rethink uh, what's going on <laughs> i don't know i just i don't know if you guys are big on the superhero movies and I, I have been somewhat my kids are big into it and even my my sons who are maybe more accepting of of these superhero movies they actually like gave aquaman and it was an okay but for me like wow that movie was not good and i hate to say that because uh, apparently uh the actor uh, the main actor who, who is aquaman is uh, jason momoa and uh, and I, I don't necessarily think he did a bad job, uh, except for, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, Aquaman was like this uh, surfer-looking dude uh, from California with blonde hair, and like some, some suddenly now he looks like a, a grunge rocker from the 90s. But, uh, you know, whatever whatever you got to do to modernize Aquaman, I get it. But, like, <laughs> but, but Jason Momoa, apparently he uh, did a... Uh, uh, thing on Instagram, I guess it was, or something, uh, where uh, he's a big Leica fan, and uh, like he loves his Leica cameras, and I don't know, I feel like maybe Leica probably sent him some free stuff too, which it always kills me how like rich uh, celebrities uh, get sent all this free stuff. You know what? Uh, Jason Momoa can afford a Leica. Leica, you don't have to send him a camera. I, I tell you who can afford new Leicas is most of us listen to this podcast. How would you send us one? It's like a uh, <laughs> It's just the topsy-turvy world we live in where things are a little bit uh, askew, I guess. But uh, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Mr. Jason Momoa can afford his own Leicas. But apparently, I don't know, maybe Leica hooked him up. I don't know. But apparently, he's a Leica fan. So I give him that. Like, it's always good to have, I guess, celebrities into... uh, into cool cameras and maybe that helps our cause so i'm not i'm not gonna not gonna complain about it but uh yeah he had a a video i think it was on instagram where he was uh just showing a lot of love for his leica collection and uh so uh, i i give him that i give him credit for that but i could say aquaman oh man that was not a very good movie (laughs) like am i am i am i alone in this like uh Wow, I, like I like superhero movies as much as anybody. I was a huge comic fan when I was growing up, but uh, wow, this one—it was—it was rough. Like it was laughable. Like me and my wife were laughing at uh, some of it. And I it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that's been so bad that I've actually laughed at it. And uh, <laughs> that one was—I was up there. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is, though, you know, Aquaman has uh, been out for a while. So we went to like, we have this discount theater in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Like, after movies 
leave the main theaters they go to this cheap theater where we pay like i don't know it's like two or three bucks to see a movie and so that's where we went uh so we only paid uh you know a couple bucks to see this movie thank god but (laughs) so just a little uh just a little observation about uh about a movie i saw that happened to have an actor that apparently has a love for leica cameras so uh but yeah if you haven't seen uh uh, if you want to look up Jason Momoa, he apparently is a, a big Leica fan. So, and hey, you know what? If he helps the the film cause in some way or another, uh, then I can maybe forgive the fact that Aquaman was by far the worst superhero movie I've ever seen in my entire my entire life. <laughs> I could not wait for that thing to end. But uh, all right, so let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Um, uh, you can uh, see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can email this program, uh, obviously, call ins about anything you want to talk about uh, film photography or just general questions or whatever you want to do. Uh, you can email us at negpositives at gmail.com. Then, uh, obviously, join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And uh, we also have an Instagram account. Uh, negative positives on Instagram, uh, mostly ran by Mr. Bryce Randall. Uh, if you f- uh, submit photos to Instagram, think about uh, putting in the hashtag negative positives and maybe uh, Bryce will see it and highlight it on the negative positives Instagram page. So, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. We think we have a guest lined up uh, for this weekend. I haven't confirmed yet, so we'll just leave that a mystery at this point. But uh, everybody have a great rest of their week, and uh, we will talk to you on the uh, on the Sunday night recording that will appear on Monday morning. And uh, uh, until then, everybody have a great week. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs>